GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I hope you're well uh, on this Tuesday. And it's a rather hot Tuesday, isn't it? And it's been a very busy Tuesday morning in Parliament where the Chief Minister has been outlining measures for the financial year that has just started. What's changing? Um, We'll be telling you over the course of the next hour. Minimum wage is going up as expected. In fact, Mr Speaker, it's now £8.60 an hour or £17,440. There's no cost of living increase per se uh, for the public sector as had been requested by the unions and hoped for by uh, many working in the public sector. Of course, the cost of living increase has been difficult on uh, many people, but of course, especially so for lower earners. And what the Chief Minister has done is he's given a lump sum payment instead. Mr Speaker, the government is fully committed to helping all public sector employees and has decided to pay a single, non-consolidated lump sum in September 2023. What it means is if you earn less, you get a little bit more. And if you earn more, you get a little bit less, but £1,000 is roughly what we're looking at and it'll be paid in September. Um, But of course, it's a one-off payment, so it's not the same uh, critics will soon point out. It's not the same as getting uh, an actual percentage increase to your basic pay, which would be reflected uh, in your pay slips for months to come uh, and would also be reflected in your pension but from uh, a small business perspective or or from if you like a a critics perspective um, they might also be welcoming it because it does not increase the burden on recurrent expenditure at a time when the government is seeking to restore financial stability the chief minister told parliament he is on track to do that Uh, we had heard him speak in recent recent weeks uh, about reducing the deficit this uh, in this budget session so uh, basically we're still uh, for the past 12 months we've still spent 15 million pounds more than we've brought in uh, as as a government as a public sector Um, but Mr Picardo says that by Uh, April next year, we will have returned to the black and we will uh, be uh, making more money than we're paying out, which is uh, a return to financial stability, he says, sooner than we might have predicted. Uh, As we said a short while ago, no cost of living increase for the public sector, uh, but there will be a lump sum payment instead. And we've had an initial reaction uh, from the general and clerical associations, Wendy Cumming. Obviously, as a as a first impression, um, the GGCA's position on this has has always been that um, you know a, a year where the economic climate is is not as positive as we would like, that we would have wanted greater assistance to be given to those who are lowest paid. Um, you know, at first glance, this does seem to be the case. Um, obviously, the idea of having an unconsolidated uh, lump sum payment. 
um, is new to to most public sector workers. Um, um, so obviously we'll have to see, um, you know, what the reaction of our membership is. But, um, you know, we have been privy to a lot of uh, financial data in the meetings that we've had with the Chief Minister um, previously to the budget. So we do understand that it has been um, very difficult, that this year's budget has been very difficult um, and that, um, you know, economically the situation um, is, is, is complicated. It is a complicated situation uh, economically, as Wendy Cumming has said. The Chief Minister uh, has um, really made clear that the budget that he has delivered today has been shaped by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic still, uh, by Brexit, which of course it brings uncertainty still uh, and by the cost of living crisis which has been um, propagated by the war in Ukraine and is of course an international context uh, which Gibraltar itself cannot control. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. It's our pleasure to welcome Fabian Picardo to the studio now. Uh, one of the main talking points, Mr. Picardo, ahead of the budget was whether or not there'd be uh, uh, an increase, a cost of living increase to public sector pay. You haven't done that, but instead you've delivered a, a lump sum payment or promised a lump sum payment uh, that you think will hit people's pockets in the public sector in September. Can you tell us a bit of the thinking behind that? Well, I've been working very hard with uh, the unions, with Unite, with the GGCA and with the NASUWT um, on the issues, working with the figures. I just heard one of the uh, trade unionists, Wendy Cumming, explain to you that they'd been privy to all of the figures. This is highly confidential information ahead of a budget and we shared all that information with uh, colleagues in the trade union. And I heard Jonathan also to talk about the fact that we haven't given a cost of living pay rise for four years. Of course, that's technically right. But in fact, for those two years, for the first two years of those four, inflation was almost zero. So really, the net effect is in not having given a pay rise in the past two years. But of course, we had the issues there of uh, the COVID debt and the inability to to fund a pay rise from a deficit. Here, what we're saying is we're in the very early stages of recovery. There are, of course, the issues with the cost of living. And so we need to help people to get over that. But we're not in a position yet where we can commit to that being in your pay packet every year. We hope to be able to. I've shared with trade unionists that I hope that next year we start from the baseline of the salaries with the inclusion of the amounts that we paid as a lump sum, assuming that the economy performs as we want it to perform and the public finances therefore perform as we expect them to perform we would be able to come back at this next year if we've been re-elected. Otherwise, it'll be a matter for a different government to say, right, let's take your salary where it was. Let's add the amount we gave you last year as a lump sum. And then let's look at how we raise your salary from there. Because, of course, the effect of this year's inflation will also have to be factored into the equation. So this is a way of doing that which we set out to do, which was to help the ones at the bottom the most um, and help the rest a little and some not at all because although we would all like money we don't all need it and the word need here has to have a meaning and that's and how we designed it and also listening i suppose to the business lobby who have uh, tried to uh, it, sort of persuade you not to take on recurrent expenditure that perhaps we can't afford today no I, i'm i'm afraid that uh, that i have to take issue with you um, in one respect um, 
That is not the position of the business lobby, although it may be the position of the business lobby. It's not the position of the business lobby that's influenced the government. That is the golden rule that I talk about. And the GSLP is committed to the golden rule where your recurrent expenditure has to be met from your recurrent income. And it's what we've been committed to in the eight years of government between 88 and 96. Um, And since 2011, absent the period of COVID where we accepted that because we would have almost no income, we would have to spend more in order to maintain that. So, But keeping to that golden rule certainly is what has affected the thinking. I set out in my speech that that was the case. Um, and, I, and of course, you need to understand that if I do a percentage increase across the board, then somebody who's earning £140,000 get the same benefit of a 6% increase as somebody who's earning fifteen. And what yep. we wanted to do, the way that we've calibrated it, and, and Unite and the GGCA and the SWT have all these scales, we're giving in effect 7% at the bottom when when you add the increase of the uh, the parity catch up gets up to 20 odd percent at the bottom and we're giving not point something percent at the top when you're so on 99 pa- parity catch up is for um carers nurses yes that's all across the board i've i've it's in my speech you'll see the whole yep. list and I've, nobody's going to earn less than that amount and just to, to clarify i wasn't saying that the business lobby uh, told you not to borrow more to fund the public sector pay rise what i mean is that you in general terms you're not taking on more uh, you know recurrent expenditure uh, their point unite's point was that you could have funded it elsewhere without borrowing so i wasn't necessarily saying that you needed to have borrowed more right. that the business lobby didn't want you to but uh, i think we all know our arguments <laughs> and what we do here is we ring fence this amount we pay it because people need it yeah um and look i'm very conscious that already people are saying oh is this an election bribe etc come on for goodness sake well, I'm yeah, going to ask you, Chief minister well, that, that saying, there might be those who uh, believe that th- that's giving civil servants uh, a lump sum just before a general election is a, 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 after many years of not having a, a cost of living adjustment is a cynical ploy to to essentially give them a goodie just before a general election. Well, Literally you, you, just before, no? Because we're well, expecting right. in September and we think that the Are election you? will happen in, in the well, autumn. You're not going right? to do it, well, do it in Christmas. Well, the election <laughs> is going to happen in the autumn. The cry for a cost of living increase has been happening now for about uh, you know a year since the last budget when I didn't increase uh, public sector salaries. I've been negotiating with the unions to do something in this budget. The budget is this month. The election is in the autumn. So look, I couldn't have uh, I couldn't have really structured it as devilishly as you are suggesting if I had tried, um, and as my detractors are suggesting. I'm doing it as soon as I can. I'm making the announcement in July. I'm paying it at the end of the first quarter, which is the middle of the year. It's, a, it's an amount that is trying to get you through the year and the difficulties that you're having. There is no cynicism on the part of the government in agreeing with this. There is actually a desire to help people as much as possible at the right time. If I was paying it at Christmas, people would say he's a cynical Father Christmas. If I was paying it in summer, people would say people are just going to piss it away on cruises and uh, summer spending. So you can't win. You're damned if you're doing, you're damned if you don't. That's why what you've got to do is the right thing. You've got to allow yourself to ensure that what you're doing is what you can look yourself in the mirror and say is the right thing to do in the proper way for the right reason and within the rules. And that's what we're doing. Um, And people should be a little bit less cynical and understand that they've been calling for this for months. This is the moment. It's the budget. The right time to pay it is at the end of the quarter. Also, is that that's the time when we get the corporate tax in, which means that that's when our, our... 
our coffers are bloated and we can make the payment. We wouldn't be able to make it at the end of August in a comfortable way. So that's why we've structured it in this way. We've got a, a number of other topics to cover, but before we move on from this lump pa- uh, lump say lump payment, <laughs> lump sum payment, um, <laughs> Elaine, a couple of tongue twisters <laughs> in there all day. Elaine, uh, and you spoke for two and a half hours, solid. Um, but um, Elaine is asking uh, Chief Minister if uh, that lump payment is expected in September for GHA workers and nursing staff as well. For all public sector workers, all 6,000 of them will have the full amount paid in the payroll of the end of September. Okay, the Chief Minister is with us for a little bit longer. If you'd like to put a question to him uh, on the budget speech that he delivered in Parliament this morning, 266-200 is how you can do it. Uh, we've got a question here uh, which is uh, about how, it's from Sarah, and it's about how do you expect or, or what measures have you taken uh, to reflect uh, a possible pay increase in the private sector. So what I said immediately after I announced the lump sum in the public sector, I said in order to enable the private sector to do the same thing, I'm going to change the law so that this year employers in the private sector can also pay their employees the same amounts that are going to be paid to government employees tax-free too. That's an incentive to employers to pay that amount because, of course, it goes further in the hands of the employee. For example, the £1,200 that we're going to pay to people who are under £50,000 on basic salary will be the effect of £1,500 taxed. And so a private sector employer will also be able to give their employee, in effect, more because it will not be taxed in the hands of the employee. And that's what we've done to promote the payment in the private sector of these same amounts. So to be fair, to be clear, Chief Minister, the the private sector um, business would have to fork out the sum, but you won't charge tax on that. Exactly. And so the sum will go further in the hands of the recipient, of the employee in the private sector, because it will have the effect of being a, a grossed up amount. It's an incentive. You're saying, look, I'm trying to help you. If you if you can help your employees, please do. That's right. And remember, No obligation, course, obviously. No obligation. But please remember, of course, that companies are much more simple in terms of balance sheet than the government. The government has to fund a lot of things, care, health, education, etc. A company has profit or doesn't have profit, and the employer knows he can pay these amounts or he cannot pay these amounts. And as long as there is profit, most employees in our community have been good and have been wanting to support their employees through uh, this difficult time. Indeed, Unite and the GGCA have done deals in the private sector which are for, for actual pay increases. And so there won't be lump sums in some companies because they've had a percentage pay increase. But in those where there hasn't been a percentage pay increase, this is a good incentive for employers to pay those amounts also on the same thresholds and on the same basis and on the same bands as the government is paying to its uh, public sector workers. And may I just say, because I've heard a question asked on a number of occasions on my WhatsApp, which must mean it's a question that's out a lot, whether this is payable in the public sector to part-time workers by the same amounts, and it is payable to part-time workers on the same amount in the public sector. Okay, um, we've had a message from uh, the uh, from Graham Jackson, who's the chair of the Association of Tax... Um, uh, I'm not sure, professionals, it's a name, it's not professionals, but uh, uh, Graham says that uh, the association welcomes uh, today's budget, in particular the reduction of the effective rate of tax by 1%. Uh, so you had put it up by 2% last year, and you now think that you're in a position to bring it down to uh, by 1%, uh, one percentage point yeah. on, on whatever the, the, yeah. the person was being taxed, depending on their income. Uh, and we've also got a, a question here from Mike, who says, congratulations or a comment first. Congratulations on what Mike thinks is an ingenious budget. Uh, He says, stamp duty, please let's not have a cliff edge approach, uh, which is that that it's... uh, 
You, you know what he, he means. He's absolutely right. It will be tapered so that it's not the one pound that will put you over the threshold. It will be tapered in the usual way. Okay, and subsidising electricity, Mike says, is not an, a particularly environmental measure uh, because it doesn't encourage people to reduce their usage. What would you say to that? Well, I think he's absolutely right, but it's also a reality that we need electricity. It's a reality that we are moving to more sustainable forms of electricity. We've already hit our 10% target on renewables. We're expecting to go a lot further. Um, there is a section which you, you might not have heard, heard me read, but you would still be hearing me read if I was still reading everything which I hadn't laid on the table. And on the uh, tax uh, part that I laid on the table, there are more green incentives coming through taxation so that we can each become a little bit of our own power station um, in, in so far as we're able to, if our homes permit us to be able to do that, and if we're not in a, in a flat where we can't do it. So more incentives so that we can produce more sustainable electricity. The recruitment of AAs starts tomorrow on a salary of 21 £1.7,000. Can I just explain why that has been delayed? I explained to my colleagues in the unions and they understood. We had agreed with them that we were doing the recruitment, then we were not able to do so because the pay rise in the UK happened and therefore we couldn't advertise the pay until I had announced that the pay was going up in line with the UK on parity. So tomorrow the adverts will appear, at least it was programmed that they should appear tomorrow, for the new posts in the government and they will now carry the new salary, which is the new starting entry point which is the 21,674, whatever you've rounded up. Okay, uh, Chief Minister, tell us about the cost of the McGrail inquiry so far, £1.8 million. Any reflections on that number? Well, as I said during the course of my address, I said this was an unnecessary inquiry. I called it because somebody who had been Commissioner of Police had called for an inquiry and it would have been childish of me to not call it. People might have thought I had something to hide. I have absolutely nothing to hide, so I called the inquiry, which Mr McGrail called for. Mr McGrail retired, and so therefore this is about an inquiry into whether or not something... Uh, pushed him to retire. It's cost £1.8 million. I can think of many better reasons to use £1.8 million of taxpayers' money than inquiring into somebody retired. The cost is going to rise to significantly much more when the actual hearing starts. You're absolutely right. This is just the cost of the preliminaries. The hearings, which should start sometime in the autumn, will go on for a considerable period of time and we uh, have no certainty that it will end there. Okay, let's move on because we've had a message from Mel. Uh, Mel says, good afternoon, Chief Minister. Um, she lives, Mel lives on £322 in benefits and £21 uh, allowance per child. Uh, she's medically retired from work, aged 47. She has a son who's aged 14, who's just been diagnosed with autism. Uh, she says, don't ask me how I manage, um, how I survive on this amount per month. You said that your budget is a budget for social justice. What's in there for Mel, Chief Minister? So increases across the board for her on the basis of the cost of living rounded upwards to 7%. So whilst I'm not giving uh, public sector workers a pay rise of a percentage, I am applying a percentage increase to all of those payments that we make to people who are, like Mel, dependent on uh, payments from the government. And so whether you get a state pension, whether you get disability benefits, whether you get welfare payments, whether you get payments for your children, all of those payments across the board are going up, not just 6.2%, they're going up 7%. So the amounts that she receives will be insulated against the increases in the cost of living. And that was the case last year too. So a total of approximately 15 to 20% of increases in the past two years in respect of those amounts. Okay, but still 
a low amount for somebody to live on, no? In, in her circumstances. But higher after the budget than it was before. And really what we're doing is judging the budget to see whether it has improved the lot of those who need assistance or whether it has not and left them stagnant despite the increased cost of living. And this amount will be increased in order to assist considerably. And indeed, the amount that she's receiving today was considerably uplifted by me. I mean, the amount was... was I mean, you might well, our say... Well, producer says it's £22 a month increase after today. Well, £22 a month increase after today, but I think a £100-plus increase in the past three or four years from where it was in the last time that benefits were increased, it increased very, very considerably indeed. And when we got it, and please judge me for what I've done in the time I've been there, I think that that amount has almost tripled, if not more. But Mel is struggling, and people in her position will be. Absolutely, and uh, you know that's why it is absolutely right that people in that position shouldn't have the amounts that they have been receiving increased by the cost of living uh, increases that we are all suffering. And over two years, those increases will be in the region of fifteen to twenty percent. Um, and in other instances, you know there will be no increases for the amounts that you receive because you are not in a situation like Mel. It's impossible sometimes to fix those problems in a budget, but it is possible to help in a budget, and that's what I've set out to do. Chief Minister, if you don't mind me saying, you got emotionally, you you looked emotionally vulnerable at one point Mm -hmm. in your speech where where you had to pause and and catch your breath for for a few seconds, speaking about lost family time uh, in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, Brexit, uh, and, and the cost of living crisis. Well, you know, I, I, do, uh, I do fighting very well, but I don't do love very well. I, I do love um, very emotionally, and um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that, you know, feeling what you feel is, uh, is, uh, is all about uh, living life. Um, and I wanted to thank my team at Number 6 for, for being like family and for being there. And it's been 12 years, you know, 12 years, you know, 12 years of working with that team day in, day out. Some of them still there from the first day. Some of them as if they'd been there from the first day. Um, and when I say thank you to people and when I want to demonstrate how much I love people, I get very emotional about that all the time, you know, whether it's about friends, family or, or colleagues. Um, but, you know, the GSD really helped me. You know, uh, Keith and Damon looked up and uh, they knew I was coming to a combative part of the speech and, uh, and with a few smiles across the board, I was able to get myself back uh, and uh, as a sort of you know, pugilist fighter for Gibraltar on, on the issues that matter. But yeah, I, I greatly appreciate the people I work with. I greatly appreciate the fact that they are there for me. I greatly um, you know, regret the fact that politics takes you away from your family and that has consequences, but that's reality and, uh, I, think, and I have to live it. I think Jonathan was going to say something about how quickly to say that. he turned that around. It didn't take you very long to go from, from the emotional state to hitting back at the GSD. Yes, but look, let's be very clear. <laughs> These are arguments. They're political arguments about how to manage uh, finances. But I, I bear absolutely no grudge against the people sitting opposite me. I consider many of them to be friends. Um, I know that that might sound peculiar when you're, when you're looking at the things that we say uh, to each other, but they are tough. I mean, the fact that we're, many of us lawyers might, might help, um, but I have you know, great regard for the people who sit with me on the government benches as cabinet ministers. I have an equally high regard for the people who sit opposite me and are paid to do a job on behalf of the people of Gibraltar to analyse, scrutinise and criticise, you know. But I, of course, will analyse, scrutinise and criticise what they do too. Um, and I do that in a tough way, which is the way I was taught by Joe Bassano and the way that I was honed to do by Peter Carvana when he was chief minister. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. 
and you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.